Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Today we move along in our study in the Gospel of Luke. Today we move in that study now to the 14th chapter. And today as we do, we come to a big question here at the start of the 14th chapter. And that question is, as Christians today, as Christians in 2016, as the church today, what do we do, or, or maybe what are we to do with the truth? And that's, that's the big question today. What are we to do with the truth. Now, that is a very relevant issue today, a very timely issue today for the age that we're living in. You see, today we live in, we exist in an age that's in a point of crisis, that's in a point of conflict. Now see this this morning. As Christians, we follow Jesus who is the truth. And he tells us that of himself. He is the truth. That's who we follow. As Christians, our Bible, God's word, is the revelation of the truth. Understand, this is God's word and it is the truth. Also, as Christians, we know that the Bible tells us when we read God's written truth, it points us to the living truth, Jesus. And by faith in the truth, we are saved. Then, as Christians, we are, we are commissioned to, we are called to know the truth and to, to stand on the truth and to live out the truth and, and to preach and to proclaim and teach the truth. All the while, we're to be unashamed of the truth. Yep, here is the struggle today. The world that we exist in, the world that we know, is opposed to the truth. Look around today. Watch the news today. See the culture today. The world that we live in, they absolutely cannot tolerate the truth. And that reason for that is because Satan is violently opposed to the truth. He is by nature, in fact, opposite of the truth. The Bible calls him the father of all lies. And so there is this conflict today between the truth and those in opposition to the truth. And that's where we exist today, the truth and those that are opposed to the truth. And so we come to the question then, as Christians, as followers of Christ, what are we to do with the truth? And today I believe we're going to receive some great insight. I believe we're going to have some great instruction today from our verses. Our message today is entitled, The Inconvenient, Indispensable, incredible truth. Again, the inconvenient, indispensable, incredible truth. Today we're in Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at the very first six verses, verses one through six, Luke chapter 14. I'm going to ask if you would stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word and reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 14, verses one through six. God's word says this, it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. 
And he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you and I praise your name today. I, I come and I pray that you would know my heart worships you. And I pray that as a people, our, our collective heart today would, would seek to honor you and to worship you and to give you the place as Lord and Master in our lives. We come today and I'm thankful for the time that we've, we've come together and, and where we've worshiped you in song. I'm, I'm thankful for the time that we can come together in fellowship and encourage each other. But I pray now that, that in this in this time, in the preaching of your word, that, that your spirit would speak to us, that your word, your living word, would again grip our hearts and that, that we would be changed. And I pray for a, for a supernatural response to the preaching of your living and active word. We come today and I, and I tell you, my hope is only in you. My joy is found in you. And I, I pray that that becomes something that people see in the church, see in our message, see in the proclamation of our truth, that it would become contagious, that we would point a lost and dying world to Jesus Christ. We again come and tell you we love you and we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today in our study, we're going to look at the verses. We're going to look at these six verses, and then we're going to come back and apply those verses. And as we do today, we're going to see four things that we are to understand about the truth. Four things that we are to understand about the truth. Let's begin by moving through our verses. Look at verse one, a verse really of context. It says this, it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him Closely. Now, there's a lot of information in that verse. Listen to it again. It happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. Again, this first verse sets up the context, really, for the first 24 verses here in Luke chapter 14. For sure, they, it sets up the context for our six verses that we're going to study today. See what is happening in the context. It says this, Bible tells us it was the Sabbath day. It was the Sabbath day. Now that was a day that in Jewish practice had and has great meaning. It was also, it had become a day that was a highly legislated day. Now what that means is this, these Jewish people had taken God's original commandment to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy and they had really added a bunch of rules to it to help in that endeavor. And so taking the original commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, now they had added a bunch of rules. You know what? Be sure and do this. Be sure and do this thing by this certain time and then, and then not do it again until this certain time and, and then be sure and don't do these things on the Sabbath day. And so it had become a highly legislated day. And so understand, it is that day. The Bible says then on the Sabbath day, that a leader of the Pharisees, now understand that's a big deal as well. This was not just a member of the Pharisees. It wasn't just a member of their party. It was a leader of the Pharisees. This is one who carried influence 
in that sect. Well, this guy, a leader of the Pharisees, on the Sabbath day, evidently had invited Jesus to eat. And Jesus had accepted that invitation. And so that is the situation. That is the context. And it says, on that day, in that situation, with that guy's invitation, in that crowd, in that context, they were watching him closely. Now, I understand that. Like me, a 300-pound man, when he goes to a buffet, you can see the owners. He watches you as you go through the buffet. I know he's already had three plates. Well, the Greek word here means that they were watching him closely. Uh, it means that they were on the lookout. They were on the lookout. Now, be sure and understand that the reason they were watching, the reason that they were on the lookout was because they had an evil intent. It was because they had a sinister motivation. Be sure and understand, they weren't just watching him to see what he's going to do. They weren't just watching to see what he was going to eat and what he was going to do next. No, they were watching him in order to catch him in something. They were watching him in order to, and to catch him, waiting for him to see if he was going to fail. And they had an evil intent in their watching him. Now let me take just a side route here. Let me take just a side road here for just a second. I want us to see this. In this chapter, we're going to see how Jesus conducts himself in the face of opposition. As we move through the 14th chapter, as we go through the verses, we're going to see how Jesus conducts himself in the face of those who are opposed to him, in the face of those who would, would harm him, of those who would ruin him, of those who would eventually lead him to the cross of Calvary. Now understand, that is important to us today because as the preacher, because as leaders in the church, as teachers and as deacons and as, as bus drivers and as choir members and as, as band members, as people who have declared that we're going to follow Jesus as our Lord, we need to understand there is an opposition to you. Did you know that? There is an opposition to you. And that opposition is watching you to see if you fail. Now that's the truth. When you said, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, there is a crowd that is opposed to you. And they're waiting to see if you go down. They'd like nothing more. Oh, they profess these big words. Look at them, profess Christ. We'll see if they can live it out. There is a crowd as a Christian that is opposed to you and they are watching you and their hope is that you would fail. Well, from Jesus, we see how we should react as we see how he reacted to those in opposition to him. That was just a side note. Let's go back to our verses. Verse two. And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. The Bible tells us this man had dropsy. Uh, people tell us, scientists tell us, those that would study this say it was most likely a condition called edema. It was a condition where they would hold and retain crazy amounts of fluid and they would, they would swell up and they would become very disfigured in their extremities, maybe in their, in their feet or their legs, maybe in their hands, but they would become disfigured in their extremities. Maybe it was a, a heart problem, maybe it was a, a kidney problem, but, but that was evidently the condition of this man. And verse two tells us that Jesus on this day, in this place, with this crowd, 
is confronted with this man. Now, I believe, and I'm pretty positive about this, I believe this was a setup. You see, most likely this guy was brought there, I believe, to set Jesus up. Most likely they would have no use for a guy like him. Most likely his condition would have repulsed them. His, his condition, they would have condemned him and they would have, they would have blamed it upon some sin in his life. And so these people, uh, this set of people, they would not associate with such a man as this. And so I believe this man is brought here as a setup for Jesus. Look at verse three. And Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Verse three is a very big verse. It's a very deep verse. In fact, we're gonna barely be able to, to scratch the surface of all the meaning tied here in verse three. But Jesus says a very big thing here in verse three. He says, is it lawful to heal this guy on the Sabbath. Now the Greek word for lawful meant authorized. Is it authorized? Is it allowable? Or another word that I found, is it proper? Is it proper to heal this man? Very simply, the question is, is it the right thing? Is it the right thing to heal this man on the Sabbath? Now see the depth of what he is asking here. He is asking really, is it the right thing to follow these rules in an attempt to somehow honor God or is it the right thing to honor God by living out the heart and the purpose of these laws? That's a pretty deep question. Now, now understand, they didn't get what he was talking about. You see, to them it had become all about the rules and it had become all about the practice and it was not about the people. Well, understand with God, even in the practice of the law, it was always about people. Now that's a deep thing and that's what he says in verse three. Look at verse four. It says, but they kept silent. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. And he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. Now in verse four, they know that they have no argument. They know there's nothing they can really say here that's justified. They know there's nothing they can say that would hold up. And so their response is they're just silent. Now I try to picture that scene and I, I sit here and I bet they're silent. The Bible says they were silent, but I bet that you can see the steam coming off of them. They had done all this trouble to set Jesus up and they, they found this guy that was a disgrace to them. They would have no part of this guy and they brought him here to set Jesus up and they, they thought they would set the table up and they would, they would find some act that would condemn Jesus and yet when the truth was proclaimed, they could not argue. They sit in silence. The Bible says that Jesus healed the guy. It says he took hold of him and he healed him. And then it says, and sent him away. Now, I don't know, but I think this is a funny thing. I, I, I picture it here. Here's this guy, and he is brought here as a farce. They have no use for him. He's a disgrace to them, but now he is healed, and Jesus says this guy, go on somewhere else. You can do better than this crowd. He sends him on. Look at verse five. And he said to them, which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath 
day. Now, verse 5 is really a confrontational statement that is made by Jesus. He, he asked them really a rhetorical question here. It's a, it's a question he really didn't expect to have an answer from, but it, it's a question that shows them the truth, and in showing them the truth reveals that they are false and they are self-serving. He says, which of you, if you, if you had a son, and they, they knew what it was to have a son, or which of you, if you had an ox, and your ox is how you make your living, what if you had a son or an ox, and, and that son or that ox fell into a well? There's no question that you wouldn't immediately do something to save them. But he says, yet here's this man. And you, you had no use for this man. You, you thought his life had no value and you brought him here and you had no concern for this man. And he, he reveals the truth, but he also reveals the untruth and the falseness of their heart. Then look at verse six. And they could make no reply to this. That's how this section ends. And they could make no reply to this. For us today in a world where there's conflict between the truth and those who oppose it, for those who are living today in the age that we're living in, what are we supposed to carry away today from these six verses? How do we apply these six verses today? Well, I want to end by showing us four truths for us to understand. In a world where there's conflict between the truth and those who are opposed to the truth, four truths for us to understand today. The first truth is this. Understand, the truth is divisive. Understand, the truth is divisive. Now make no mistake about that. Be sure when, when Satan is opposed to the truth and when the world cannot tolerate the truth and yet when the truth is established and the truth is proclaimed, it is confrontational. It is divisive. That's what we see here in Jesus. Understand, today there's a lot of people who are willing to compromise on the truth in order to keep the peace. And that, for some reason, seems to be the society that we live in. And people say, oh, we don't want to disrupt things. We wouldn't want to upset anybody. And they're willing to compromise on the truth in order to keep the peace. Listen to me today. Be sure of this. Be clear today. The truth is divisive. Look at Jesus himself. The truth is divisive. So that's the first thing. Understand the truth is divisive. The second truth Understand, untruth must be revealed. Untruth must be revealed. It must be illuminated. It must be brought to light. Understand, untruth must be revealed. Now see this, that's what Jesus was doing here in these verses. Be sure and understand that's what's going on here. He doesn't duck the subject. He doesn't stay home. He doesn't say, you know what? I don't have to eat with these guys. I've got somewhere else that I can eat anyway. He doesn't duck the subject. Once he's there, he doesn't sit there quietly. He doesn't change the subject. He could have just ignored the man. This man meant nothing to him. He could have just ignored the man. He could have just had another plate of food. He could have just made small talk. But no, he reveals the truth. And in revealing the truth, he brings to light the falsehood. Now be sure today, he doesn't do it in a hateful way. He doesn't do it in a rude way. But nonetheless, he illuminates the falsehood. 
today, more than any other time, I truly believe this, more than any other time, the truth is being attacked. Now, it's always been unpopular. It's always been divisive. That's what our verse tells us. But I want to tell you today, I believe more than any other time, the truth is being distorted. And I'll just tell you, I really believe it's going on more inside of the church than it is outside of the church today. And the Bible said that was going to happen as well. Today, there are falsehoods and there are false ideas, if not outright heresies, and they are being attached to the truth. And I don't know if it, if it, if it seems like it's an attempt to just be popular, if it's an attempt to just get along with folks, or it's an attempt to not be condemning, but it seems today few are the people who will stand in the truth and reveal the falsehoods. Look at Jesus' example. Understand today, untruth must be revealed. That brings us to the third thing, the third truth today, and this is just awesome. Listen to this. Understand, this is going to be awesome. Listen, understand the truth will always stand. Did you hear that? The truth will always stand. Hear me today. The truth will always stand. You don't have to worry about the truth because it's the truth. You don't have to go around. You don't have to wonder about the truth. Now you do a lie because it's a lie, but you don't have to go around and wonder about the truth. You can have confidence in the truth. You don't have to be ashamed of the truth. Do you get what I'm saying to you today? If God's word says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and God's word says that he did it and this is how he did it. Listen to me, I don't have to dip around today the intellectual academics of the world like some sort of ignorant fool. I can have confidence in the truth because the truth will always stand. Do you get that today? If the Bible says that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if it says that he was buried according to the scriptures, and if it says that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, listen to me, I don't have to go through life hoping that someone doesn't come along that disproves it. I don't have to go through life hoping that they don't find a new grave somewhere in Palestine. I don't have to go through life and wonder if there's a new gospel somewhere that I haven't possessed. No, I can believe and I can know that Jesus lives today and because he lives, I can live today. I can have hope today because the truth will always stand. Truth will always stand. Don't have to be ashamed. Don't have to wonder. The truth will always stand. That's why in verses four and six, when they're confronted with the truth, what does it say? They were silent. Oh, if they could have argued, they'd have argued. If they could have said something, they would have, but their mouths were shut because the truth always stands. Last thing, and it's the best thing. Now, that was an awesome thing, but here's, the, here's this one, and it's even better. Understand, the truth always prevails. The truth always prevails. Now, maybe you didn't notice this. Maybe sometimes it goes unnoticed, but notice here in all of the posturing, these guys, and this guy has influence, and it's on this day, the Sabbath day, and all of the posturing. Notice in all of the discussion of the day, in all of the discourse of the day, maybe we might have failed to see, and I mean to truly see, and maybe they forgot to see it as well. But in verse four, did you notice there was a man who was sick and he was discouraged and he left and he's made well. 
Did you notice that? There was a man and he was disgraced. He was despised. They had no use for this man. He was a disgrace. But now he had left and he had received the grace of God. There was a man here and he was hurting and he had no hope and he's sick and, and there's no hope for this sickness and, and he's gonna go somewhere and all he, he can do is probably die somewhere. He had no hope, but we see him and he leaves and he's healed because he's come in contact with the living hope. Listen to me, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the truth and that's why it matters. And the good news, listen to me today, is the truth still prevails. The truth always prevails. Let's pray. During Father, we come and I'm astounded by your truth and I'm astounded by your word and I ask that you'd forgive us where we become apathetic that we can sit here and listen that the truth still stands and the truth still prevails and we can just sit here in silence. Forgive us for that. Dear God, we come today and I, I, I thank you for your word that you tell us. We don't have to go around and search and, and look under some stone somewhere and, and look at some fat statue of Buddha or, or sit somewhere and look into the, eye, into the air and try to figure out the truth, but you've revealed the truth to it. We possess the truth and it points us to the living truth, Jesus. I'm thankful for that. I praise you for that. We come today and I pray that we would become as Christians agents of your truth, ambassadors of your truth. That we would be so passionate about you, so gripped by the truth that we would tell others that are looking for hope that we would take up your cause. I pray for some in this room today that do not have peace, though they'd like to find it. That do not have hope, all oh, that they would like to cling to it they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that today they would find you, the truth. Pray that you would move at this time, that you would speak at this time, that you would lead and you would draw at this time. I pray that we would be impacted, that our hearts would be changed. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ and we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.